Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? Starting the week off well. I always try to come in, you know, big and happy, (laughs) full of joy, a lot of laughing. You know, we have to uh, have that psychological, emotional flexibility. It's a uh, skill that I teach all my clients constantly working on for myself, which is the ability to really hold how we're feeling a little loosely. You know, it's in our hands. It's kind of like when you have something hot in your hands and you're kind of popping it up and down as you're running over to the counter to drop it. Our emotions have to be like that hot object in our hands. We're not holding on really tight and grasping as though that's all there is. We're kind of bouncing it up and down. It's part of what we need to do as humans in all the different relationships in which we exist. We have to honor the good and the bad. No, no toxic positivity. We're not talking about always looking for the silver lining because that's not honest. That's not always even true. Sometimes things are just bad, but good things are happening at the same time. And so sometimes it's about, you know, really honoring both directions. Over there, I see the bad. Over there, I see the good. Both are happening at the same time. I've shared this, uh, shared this with you before. We, we have these hyper academic terms for it, but basically whole object versus self object. This is coming out of... Um, object relations theory, which I think is beautiful stuff. But basically as humans, we struggle to see the good and the bad. We love our best friend, right? They're awesome. We love them. They're so cool. They do something that upsets us. What a jerk. I hate them or they annoy me. We're frustrated. Well, wait a minute. Two seconds ago, they were the greatest person. Now they're the worst person. Which are they? Well, they're both. They're both. Good people do bad things. Bad people sometimes do good things. It is hard for us to sit with that. We have to see people's whole objects that they're both. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries. I'm not saying that we don't remove toxic people. This example is meant to be within the context of people that are safe and healthy. And we have to allow them to uh, let us down. I say it to couples all the time. How do I ever trust them? Well, we'll talk about trust building, but they're going to let you down about another 725 times. People do that. We have to hold both. You know, not letting that bad moment be an entire bad day. It's really hard for us. That's the emotional and psychological flexibility. We want to hold on. We want to bury our heels in. We want to think, well, am I giving it permission? Am I not taking it seriously? Well, no. It's acceptance. Acknowledging what is, but also acknowledging what else is. And there's always more. So we're holding things lightly. We're, We're working on moving in and out of feelings. I had to learn that powerfully because of my job and a lot of people's jobs. When you're uh, front facing or client facing, as they say, where your job means you're working directly with people looking at them. If you just got a bad phone call, 
you have learned how to transition out of that rough phone call to put a smile on your face and to say to the next customer in line, how can I help you, sir? Hope you're having the best day ever. That's emotional flexibility. Sometimes it's also really, really quite toxic for our emotions to have to ignore what we're feeling. So I think there can be a benefit and a negative to that. I have to do that as a therapist. I try to do the healthier version though. If I just had a really rough personal interaction and I have to slide right into a therapy session, I have to try to be flexible enough to say, yes, that just happened. Yes, it's appropriate that I feel the way I feel because of what just happened. But I also know that I can hold that, acknowledge that, and also allow myself to transition into a more neutral space to welcome the person that's entering who happens to be a client and to see what me and them co-create in the next hour. Still acknowledging that was a bummer what happened. And sometimes I'll bring it in. Hey, it's great to see you. Had a little bit of an interesting morning, so you might see a little bit of complicatedness on my face, but I'm here with you. I'm great to see you. Let's talk about how you are. You can honor and bring in both. In fact, I think that that's the healthiest thing to do. You know, a little bit of that transition. And for those that we're close to, so now we're stepping outside of work, where sometimes you can't really do that with a client, the next client in line. Hey, sir, want to take your coffee order? Happy to see you. However, I just had a rough personal phone call. Unfortunately, we're not allowed to live authentically in the world because we have this code called professionalism, which means don't be a human. Always be a robot. How's your day? Great. I wish we didn't live like that. I wish we didn't prioritize that. I'm not saying lean over the counter at Starbucks and cry on the person in line's shoulder as the barista and the client, but I do wish we could be a little more honest and not be robots. I think of the poor stewardesses and stewards, uh, flight attendants that have to just stand there saying, goodbye, 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 sir. Goodbye, ma'am. Thank you for flying with us. That's exhausting. That's so fake. Nonetheless, coming back to my case in point, let's try to practice that today. Let's try to practice that every day. Can I honor and accept what's going on with me and also have a little bit of that emotional flexibility to uh, come back to it, to just let it be carried with me and still going about my day? Um, Other ways we can manage that to decide that, yes, that was a rough moment or that was a rough morning. However, that does not mean that the the rest of the day is bad. I have to wait and see. I'm going to let that be a rough moment, but I'm going to have a great day. Or that was a rough day. I'm going to have a great week nonetheless. Or that doesn't mean the whole weekend's bad. We tend to do that. We let it leak. We catastrophize. We determine ahead of time. Well, then the whole day is poop because that annoying, hard, bad, difficult thing just happened. But that's not true. Who knows what else is before you for the rest of your day? So that's that emotional and psychological flexibility we want to work on. It's a work in progress. I'm constantly reminding myself, let it go or go into acceptance. That's not what you wanted, but just say, okay, and move on. Got a parking ticket a couple days ago. It's always my favorite example. I never get them. I got one. And I was like, okay, I don't want that. I don't have 73 extra dollars laying around, which is exorbitant for a ticket. But I said, okay. And I went about my day. What am I going to do? Ruin my day because of it? All right, stick around. We're coming back to talk about positive affirmations because guess what? They don't always work. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we are back. We're just talking the last segment about a little more uh, emotional flexibility. Uh, I <laughs> Let's go through this article together. Uh, this is talking about ways to move more in our everyday life. So why is this of any relevance to mental health? Well, we learned through a lot of trauma studies and trauma research that a lot of the side effects and impacts of trauma are on our body, in our nervous system. And a lot of trauma is about unreleased, undigested material. We'll just use that word, it's very neutral. These things happen and trauma is about the impact and our experience of what's happening, period, end of story. We can't say to someone that's not a trauma or that doesn't cause trauma. Trauma is a wide experience. It's about things happening outside of us that we don't have the internal resources to cope with. It's about things that are happening that are destabilizing. Sometimes though, the impact is outside of our consciousness. We witness something, we can't put thought or feeling to it, but we feel it in our body. We move forward differently. We hold in our body. We can sometimes see it in people's posturing. When they look at videos of individuals in the midst of or witnessing a trauma, such as videos of people on the street watching during 9-11, the buildings get hit and crumble, et cetera, et cetera. There are certain expressions that we can see on people's faces that show that they have just entered a trauma state. We have it down to that much of a science where we can look at the pupil dilation, the opening further of the eye, the stretching of the face and the expression on the face. We have a big awareness of that. We also know that relationship is one of the powerful antidotes and is part of resilience building, that those who did better during and after a trauma were those that had access before, during, and after to safe individuals, and that that helped reduce the impact and for some prevent 
trauma symptoms. So socialization is always very, 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 and you know, it's a very important part, but a really available regulatory skill. So I'm always going to be weaving that in. My bigger point is that trauma is in our bodies. And think about different moments where you're having difficult emotional experiences, whether from trauma or otherwise. A lot of times what we have to do in the moment or what we tell ourselves to do, and when I say have to, I might mean because you're you know, sitting at work at your desk or you're sitting and talking to someone and it's about not wanting to be weird or strange, whatever. We, we sit still. But oftentimes what we need in moments of trauma or high emotional you know, experiencing or dysregulation, we need to move. And sometimes we can feel the need to move. And I'll tell people, get up and move. Sometimes that's what we need to work it through to expel all that energy because our body is maybe shifting into fight or flight. And even though we realize as we're looking around our house, talking to our partner, even though we're feeling very scared and we don't understand why our body is feeling so threatened, we still are shifting into that state, our nervous system, and we need to go discharge that energy. We'll see it in some animals. We'll see them walking around doing a shake after maybe being chased by a predator or seeing something scary. They shake it off and discharge. Humans need to do that as well. That's actually the basis of one form of trauma treatment, somatic experiencing. It's about completing the cycle. So I tell people, sometimes you need to move. We have high anxiety, go move. What do we do when we're feeling really anxious? Sometimes we'll lay on the couch and we'll maybe share it with someone and then we'll just say, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Oh, I'm just gonna put on a movie. No, get up and move. We need to move our bodies sometimes. So that's why when I saw an article, 10 ways to move more in everyday life, I thought this is really important because these might be some things we can fold in. Oftentimes when I look at articles, there's also a lot of ridiculousness, ridiculousness, excuse me, in them. So I thought, let's go through this together. Uh, we're, ta- we're coming c- coming at this through different entry points because I think <laughs> the intent of the article is just to be a little health policing and say, you know, we got to move our bodies more, which I do agree. We should be moving our bodies for those that have the ability to do so every single day. doesn't matter what you do. I'm not telling you all to go to the gym or exercise. I'm saying just move your body. That's healthy for us. That's good. It's also good for our emotional processing instead of going into a free state. Um, and I think that some of these are actually very helpful, but some of these were really kind of ridiculous. So I was like, let's just spend a few moments laughing and enjoying this. Taking the stairs, I think that's awesome. I, I have a claustrophobia extreme, so I avoid elevators. COVID has not helped. <laughs> I definitely don't want to be in an elevator. Someone was just in with trapped air or while with them currently. But elevators were always far too claustrophobic for me. So I take stairs. I, I cannot stand being in elevators ever. I avoid it at all costs. Um, so that's awesome. Taking stairs is a way to build in more movement to your body incorporate walking meetings. I think that's actually a really good idea for parent and child often. And also for people that are parenting boys, why does that matter? Well, unfortunately in our culture, we still do things based on this gender binary. And if people are born with a penis, we decide that, well, they're gonna, they're a boy and we raise them in a competitive manner with a lot of sports. You know, everything they do is side by side where we tend to raise little girls to be softer. And a lot of their games that we've given them access to or permission to play in are face-to-face. So they're looking at each other, playing with each other. It's more cooperative. Where a lot of the games we shove boys into or normalize for boys only is competitive. And they're side-by-side. It has elements of teamwork, which is great, thank God. But it's often a lot about competition and winning. And then we also tell them you have to go out and earn for your family. You know, again, it's about going out and competing being tough. 
So a lot of boys are overwhelmed with closeness and intimacy. We rip them away from their parents too soon. We don't let them feel emotions, et cetera, et cetera. We want them to be raised with a father figure, which is the problem. Usually that means I want them to be around a man who performs maleness in a tough, you know, tough kind of competitive way. And I want that reinforced. That works against them. I should do a, to a full show on this topic. I will. Noted. So they're overwhelmed to sit down and have a face-to-face -face talk. So often if you have a difficult talk with a male who's a child, even as an adult, it's best to do it within an activity so that there's a little space, the ability to disconnect, right? So we go for a walk with them. Also, it's healthy to break eye contact. Sustained eye contact is actually perceived by humans in our nervous system as threatening. Because think about it, the only time someone stares you down is when they're mad dogging you when they're about to come whoop your butt. Uh, parents... Uh, children, mother and child, have a connection-disconnection pattern where newborn babies will make eye contact, break eye contact, resume eye contact, break eye contact. When we break eye contact is when we're really dropping into the deeper emotion and processing it. It's mandatory. Only someone very sociopathic would maintain con continued eye contact. That's actually when we're not really accessing or feeling ourselves. That's when we're connecting to the other. So we do need to break eye contact. We got to take a break. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll keep talking about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back, and uh, I'm kind of dogging this article a little bit, <laughs> but I'm trying to make it a teaching moment. So for those that are just joining us, you know, we were talking earlier about emotional flexibility, psychological flexibility, you know, letting whatever's happening be just maybe in the moment and open to the fact that the next hour of our life or the rest of the day could be great. A bad morning does not mean the day's bad. We have to get out of that mindset, like clearly it's a bad day or the whole week. No, just that moment. We, we're allowed to leave that behind us, right? Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'm trying to not say right so often. And also then we moved into this discussion about how movement's really important to us uh, for processing trauma, for processing emotions. Sometimes I think we over legitimize or rely upon stillness and containment. I think we have to get a little familiar with working things through. We'll come back more to really what I mean in that, but we're looking at this article and it's talking about how we need to move more. And I was saying, of course we do. It's good for you. I want everyone to move more. For those that have the ability to do so in whatever way, just move your body. We don't need to go put on our you know, gym outfits. Everyone at my gym literally is wearing the same thing. It's interesting to see how the fashion trends come and go because I start seeing everyone wearing the same thing. So right now, um, and, and do you. I just have to wear what's most comfortable for me, but we're going tighter, shorter, and I don't know how that's very functional as you're throwing around weights, but God bless it. But gym culture is not for everyone. So I'm not saying we have to throw weights. We don't need to get a summer body. The body you have is your summer body. We don't need to look a certain way unless you're a model or an athlete. God bless to that industry. But if you're not a model, then you just get to be the person you are. But we do need to move our bodies. So I'm always telling people, jump rope, roller skate, roll around on the floor, dance with your hands. I don't even care. Take the stairs, just move. So we're looking at this article that's talking about all the different ways we can do it. Some of them I think are awesome. Some I think are just completely ridiculous. But we do need to move more. It's also going to be good for us in highly emotional moments is to just move our bodies, work it through. So uh, in looking at what this article is saying we can do to move more, they're saying like, we'll take the stairs instead of an elevator. I'm like, I'm so on board with that. My claustrophobia, I can't really get into elevators. Now, again, it's not so extreme that I'm going to cower in fear, but I prefer not to. I choose often not to. <laughs> Incorporate walking meetings. I was sharing how the way we socialize people that we've diagnosed or defined as male before they've had the ability to step into their own choice to choose their gender, which is an important part of life and more so and get more familiar with that where we will get to a place where we will not 
decide someone's gender for them at birth. And we'll realize that gender has hundreds of different options and it can look all different kinds of ways. And just because you have a penis or vagina doesn't mandate that you like pink or don't like or do like skirts. And that that's really, you know, gender is performative. We have to let people decide what makes sense to them. We will at some pace, at some point hold space for that. And we will get excited when people, you know, tell us what their gender is. That's the true gender reveal. Let's go that route. Not parents deciding with a um, pink cake as much as your child when they become the age where those things are thought out. Sometimes it's far sooner than we expect. They'll reveal their gender to us. Uh, and maybe it'll change and shift multiple times throughout their adult life. Your job as parents or as loved ones are to keep your mouths closed about how you feel about it because that doesn't matter. And no one should base their you know, mental health or identity on the comfort or support of others. Do your job. Love them anyway. It, you know what I mean? Keep your mouth closed. No one needs to know whether or not you're happy with their gender. It, that's that's your business. That's you know have privacy around that. So I was saying that you know that one of the options that this article is saying is incorporate meetings, make walking meetings where we go for a walk. I think that's great because people that we've decided are male early in life. We raise them in a competitive way, not cooperative. We don't really let them have emotional experiences. They tend to play side by side, not face to face like girls are tend, you know, tend to be socialized. They are looking at each other, engaging each other, anyhow. So it can be very emotional. Men get flooded with emotions. And it's very overwhelming often to be looking at them in the face and sitting down and walking or doing an activity together is sometimes the safest way to really enter into that processing with someone. So I'm all about that. I was also sharing with you that there's a natural rhythm that mothers and children have and everything that a child needs from an, you know, their caregiver as a child is what we also need as adults. It is a lie that we outgrow those needs. We have them. They just become more age appropriate, right? We don't need our parent to feed us, literally breastfeed us or feed us, although some people with disabilities do. And this is where we're normalizing that it's going to look different. Sometimes it'll look exactly like it is as a child and other times it won't but we still have those needs. We still have needs to get care and support. So as children, we will make eye contact, break eye contact, make eye contact, break eye contact. There's actually a natural rhythm to it. We have the timing down because when we're making eye contact, yes, we are connecting right brain to right brain. That's why we tend to hold babies with a left hold on the left side, off to the left so that we can connect. Wait, how is it? We hold them on our left side. What we're trying to do is make um, left eye contact so as to access the right side of our brain because our brains are actually flipped in that way. Um, it can be the same, but generally, right brain is accessed through left eye and the left brain is accessed through our right eye. And that's why we often hold little children, we hold them off to the side in a way where when we tilt our head and look at them, we're actually using our left eye. Left eye to left eye, that's right brain to right brain. That's the emotional center. That's where relational resonance takes place. And um, we need to also though, break eye contact. That's when we process emotion. So we don't wanna just stare people down. That's perceived as threatening. It kicks in our fight or flight, right? Think about it. Someone's staring you down, they're mad dogging you. They're about to come you know, beat you up or an animal's about to attack. We don't perceive that as safe. So we do need to break eye contact. And walking as we're talking about emotions or doing an activity together is a way to allow that. We gotta take a break. We're gonna hit those DMs and we'll come back and keep talking about this. So stick around, you're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, someone I've been dating revealed that they went through rehab twice. 
And I think possibly that this person is still actively using. After thanking them for sharing this part of their growth with me, um, wait, wait, after thanking them for sharing this part of their growth with me, everyone I'd saying I should run. Oh, every, okay, got a little funky there. Everyone's saying I should run. What does a healthy boundary sound like? So let me just pull out a few pieces. First off, I'm glad you thanked them because anytime someone makes a vulnerable disclosure with us about any part of their life, we have to say thank you because that's a sign that they're interested in us and they're investing in us and that we've hopefully earned the trust because remember, we have different layers and we bring people to the outer layer that we don't know well and we talk about more superficial things like what you'd bring up on a first date or second date, the movies you like, the kind of experiences you've had. It's casual, it's fun, we're just connecting, seeing what it feels like to be with each other. We don't, we're not investing yet because we don't know where this is going. People have to earn the right into deeper parts of ourselves. I tell everyone, don't vomit out things that you think you might get rejected around so as to put pressure on this other person to accept you without even knowing you because of this example. They have to get to know who we are now before we tell them who we were. And who we were is not who we are. And we're allowed to leave who we were behind us if we've done the work to be different. And so be very thoughtful about that. Just don't just vomit those things out right away. You don't owe anyone that. They have to earn trust and they're brought in. And to share with someone going to rehab or, or you know, a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol, something that they earn the right to. We don't owe it to disclose that if that's not who we are now. Actually, no one has a right to know much of anything. They have to earn their way in once they show us that this is, an, a, this is actually a relationship that we're building. Otherwise, there's all these people running out in the world and you have no boundaries and you've just vomited all this stuff out. But we do that anxiously. We want to know that it's okay that we're a single parent and we have children or this or that or we've been married. Like, calm down. Let them earn the right to be told that. Because sometimes it spooks people and it scares them because they don't have a sense of who we are now to know that all's well and we've worked through that. So someone having had a problematic relationship with drugs or alcohol and having been in rehab is a good sign. They handle their business. They get the help they need. Everyone struggled with something at some point and their struggle required more care. Okay, that speaks in no way to who they are now. We know nothing about who they are, who they are now as a result of that. But then your question comes to, I feel like they're still using. Everyone's telling me to run what's a healthy boundary. Well, number one, we don't know if they're using. And so ask. This person was willing to tell you enough about their use. That topic is now up for discussion. And you need to go to them and say, are you still using? And share with them what you're seeing as to why you think they are. Number two, if someone st is now currently in, in use, they're not available to be a partner. And I want people that are struggling with their relationship with drugs and alcohol to know that you are not available to be a partner. Own that, it is your job. As someone struggling with your mental health, whether it's drugs and alcohol, depression or anxiety, to let someone know whether or not you're available to be someone's partner based on what's going on. And sometimes, especially in new dating, we're not because you need to put more focus back on self. And it's okay to say that, hey, I'm not available right now, or I'm not gonna be as available as someone else might be. I need to be more casual. I can't be as responsive and reliable or available as others might be because I'm, I'm working through. Or you realize you can't be available at all. You need to work on yourself. Tell them that. But if you're the other person, ask if that's what you're seeing. Because some people use drugs like adults. 90% of people that use drugs and alcohol do not have an addiction problem. That's right, you heard that right. Only 10 or 15% of people that use drugs and alcohol have what would fall under problematic or compulsive use. The bulk of people are using them casually, non-problematically. I don't know which one this person is. Just because they in the past had a problem doesn't mean they can't ever use again. That's right, you heard that. Just because we had a problem in the past does not mean we can ever use again. That is case by case basis.
So I don't know what you're responding to. I don't know what you're thinking, feeling, or seeing that's making you think they're still using. My bigger question then is, are they showing up in, in a good way? Because if they're showing up fully and they're present, well, then your needs are met, period. So then the drugs aren't a problem. Their mere presence can't be a problem. They have to actually create a problem for there to be a problem. So if your needs are met, you're good. And if they're not, lead with that. My needs aren't being met. Maybe it's because of drugs. Maybe it's not. But focus on the needs that aren't getting met. And take it from there and see where that goes. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about movement and the importance of it. But uh, DMs, you got a question for us, drop in the DMs. You want a topic covered, drop in the DMs. So much happens in those DMs. So <laughs> keep that going. We'll be back though. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. Stick around. Okay, we're back. And uh, post DMs talking about this topic of... Left eye to left eye, right brain to right brain, breaking eye contact. So don't, don't, you know, we don't need sustained eye contact with people. We need to be able to have moments where we break that. And if we do an activity with someone, someone who maybe we need to have a difficult conversation with or who gets a little flooded with emotional processing and expressing, go do something with them so that naturally they can have more room, not feel as contained, make eye contact and break it a lot easier. It's why Zoom is so hard. It's not natural or healthy for us to try to make sustained eye contact. It's harder to break it on Zoom. It seems rude or weird. Why are you looking down? So please do allow people to not only not make full eye contact, I also am supportive of some people turning off their camera. I will not agree or support that everyone needs to have their camera on. Why? Mental health means more to me. And mentally, it's not healthy for our nervous system to be forced into sustained eye contact. It's actually very threatening. And it's not as comfortable to break eye contact. It also is very depleting neurologically to be making that much sustained focus. So I'm doing all therapy over Skype right now. I will not be entering my office for a while because it's not safe for me or for others. And I'm noticing with the face-to-face -face that it's very depleting, more so than the work in my office because of that. Now, I need to see my clients because I need to assess them, their posture, movements, micro-movements, macro-movements. But ideally, we wouldn't need to have our cameras on. So if you're not doing therapy, you don't need your camera on. We need to get a little more familiar with that. So I want to support bosses that are holding meetings and whatnot. If a, a colleague or an employee does not feel safe with their camera on, you need to support that. Otherwise, you're not being mental health centered. Please don't tell me that your company's posting all these pro mental health posts, acting like mental health matters. And then when it really matters and we're really talking about it and someone needs to turn the camera off, you're saying that that's not okay. Because then you're not mental health mattered. You're performative. You're a fake activist. And I'm calling it out because I'm sick of these industries and these companies acting like they're all about gay pride when they slap a rainbow on a t-shirt to make some money, but literally don't have any gay people in positions of power, don't donate any money to gay causes, don't have any gay people in any of their commercials, but gay pride rides around, they'll slap glitter on a t-shirt and try to make some money off it. Same thing with companies. We're all about suicide prevention. We're all about mental health, but then everything we do in practice is the opposite. Let people work from home. Let people take mental health days and not need to explain. Let people take health days and not have a doctor's note because they can't afford a doctor's visit. Let people turn their camera off when they're on Zoom or Skype because it might be overwhelming to them because they're avoided, because they're socially anxious, because neurologically we need to be able to break eye contact, because it's not healthy for them to stare at themselves on camera because it brings up body dysmorphia and other issues. That's how we are mental health centered. We actually care about how something impacts someone's mental health and we accommodate that. That's why I always use the word equity, not equality. 
Equality means y'all get the same thing because y'all have the same needs, but that's not true. Everyone has different needs and needs something different based on who they are. That's called equity. Who's in front of me? What do they need? And just because something works with someone else doesn't mean that can work with everyone. Trust me, teachers. You have so much support. I don't know how y'all are doing it, truly. Bless you all. However, you do need to also be mental health centered. Not every child's gonna be able to have their camera on. Not every child's gonna be able to sit focused and sustained attention to the screen. People are gonna be fidgeting and looking around. They're following their natural body movements. That's called body positivity. If your body needs to move around, you allow it. If you need to get up, you get up. If you need to go for a walk, you walk. That's how we also bring in body positivity. These things do need to matter. I know it's not always ideal. I might've shared this example. Whenever I lecture every year in non-COVID times, I go to at least nine to 12 cities to lecture because I'm the clinical director of education for a mental health training program, the Sexual Health Alliance, the only sexological sex therapy training program that I support. And I say to people, during the lecture, you, I can't expect you to sit upright, focused, staring at me for six hours. Six hours of lecture a day. It's a training program. They get certified. I say to them, if you need to stand up, stand up. You're an adult. I want you to be body positive and honor whatever your body's asking for and your mental health. If you need to be eating while I'm lecturing, eat. If you need to go to the bathroom 5,000 times, go to the bathroom. If you need to lay on the floor, lay on the floor. I want you to be doing what you need to do. That is mental health. And it needs to be talked about not just in content, but also in form. No more lip service, no more performative activism. Like show it, put your money where your mouth is. And it has to matter in practice. It can't just be, we say it theoretically, but in practice, no. It's even when Black Lives Matters was happening, which is an odd thing to say, because Black Lives always matter. And we need to always make sure we remember that. When it really hit its powerful stride, People were like putting black squares and support on their IG. But yet, if you look at their company's breakdown, there's no people of color working anywhere. There's no people of color in positions of power. So again, they're paying lip service. It's all talk. No changes were actually made because that's what a lot of people want to do. They're activists until it actually really matters. They're activists until they actually have to be put out. They're activists until it actually requires some work or some finances behind it. It's ridiculous. And this is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about mental health mattering. Show me. And it only matters when it's difficult. It only matters when you're put out. It, it doesn't count when you're doing it in the easy ways like slapping a flag on a, on a t-shirt to make money or throwing up an IG post. If it's easy, it doesn't count. You really show that you actually support mental health or black lives or whatever else we're talking about when it actually puts you off, when you actually have to change policy, when you actually have to change hiring practices. That's where the proof is in the pudding. Show me what the pudding is. Let me taste it because I don't want to just see these posts. So sit with that. We're going to take a little break and come back. You're listening to Loveline, Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. And uh, who knew so much could come out of this uh, topic or article on, on just walking and moving your body? We're kind of talking about 10 things at once, but uh, let's kind of get back to it. We got to move our body. So much is tied into that. We're looking at this cuckoo article that's talking a lot about all the different ways to move your body and uh, how some of them are very reasonable, make a lot of sense. Others, not so much. Just wait till we talk about this other article that's um, about why silence is important. <laughs> it's going to be a whole show. I'm actually excited to talk about that. I also want to later in the week talk about what 
uh, the boys in our lives need so as to kind of cure toxic masculinity. It starts really at an early age and kind of changing the culture around all of us, but especially those that have, um, you know, are identified as male by self or, you know, us. But we're talking about moving, move your body any way you can. Not everyone has to do it in terms of the gym. We're talking about that. I thought this was so funny though. So this is an article that's talking about all the ways we can bring more, you know, movement or, you know, whatnot into our lives. Lunge, lunges, lunge it up, they say. They say, I know that this is going to look funny, but when you're shopping, try walking lunges down the supermarket aisles while holding onto the cart. Silence, right? Uh, the cart offers a good bounce point. You can get about 10 to 20 lunges in a single pass, depending on how long your supermarket's aisles are. God bless it. I do actually want to live in a world where people can just lunge down the super mile, uh, supermarket aisles and stuff. Most people are not going to do that. There is something a little unsafe and ridiculous about it. But hey, get your movement in wherever you can. I'm a big fan of people living their weird, you know, letting their freak flag fly. I'm here for it. Let's be authentic. Let's be honest. Let's, let's stop being conformist. However... Uh, <laughs> I appreciate some people live busy lives and they need to, you know, multitask and triple task. So yes, if the supermarket is the only place you can get that exercise or movement in, but have at it. However, for most of us, I think there's better ways to do it. I don't, you know, again, the supermarkets I go to are quite busy. I don't, don't know how that's going to work. Uh, just sitting on an exercise ball. I had a co-therapist that used to do that as his chair in his office. It was this like ball thing. I don't know. God bless it. Parking further away, I always do that. There's a lot of reasons why I do that. The further away spots are always open and available. And the distance from those spots to the closer ones can be anywhere from five to 15 seconds. People with disabilities, I appreciate that that's a big deal. For those that don't have a disability, uh, it's about five seconds sometimes, maybe seven. It's not that deep, but we have this built-in sense of we need to win, right? We like things that are easy. So I, that, that's in there. Uh, God bless it. Watching people fight over parking spots when there's a ton more about a row or two down. Again, another maybe four to seven seconds of a walk, if that. Fascinating to watch how people are about parking spots. I try to walk. I walk often. LA is not much of a walking city. New York and Philadelphia definitely are. That's where it kind of got instilled in me. If you can walk it, walk it. I put on my music. It's a whole thing for me. Have more sex. I love when we talk about sex in any capacity because we always rule it out as not acceptable or appropriate. But yeah, sex is movement. Get your heart rate up. Absolutely. I love that. They say for some, here's a little bit of a blurb. Some older research states that sex burns calories at a rate of three calories per minute. <laughs> Counting calories is not accurate. It doesn't work that way. Everyone's system is different. And we shouldn't be doing movement in service of weight loss. Uh, weight loss doesn't, you know, is not the goal we're going for here. We're going for just feeling better in our bodies, getting our heart rates up. We're not assessing it in terms of that. But I thought that was funny having that thrown in there. Uh, I thought it was also funny that they say it, it's so, as, although it's not the same as a vigorous jog, you can, you can still work up a sweat. Have fun. Try new positions. Bond with your partner. I love that. Also getting a pet. That was really profound for a lot of people during COVID. Getting a pet, having comfort, having support, having emotional support, having something to care for, something to bring joy and movement into their life. Dear God, my cat saved me during the pandemic. And then for those that have a pet that needs to be walked like a dog, get you out of the house, get you around other people safely. People apparently meet a lot of people while walking their dogs, dates and hookups as well. There's a couple of areas where you walk your dog out after a certain time of night and everyone knows you're out there really looking for something else. But 
by all means, do your thing. We got needs. We got to get a met. For a lot of people, hookup culture is part of socialization, finding love, making friends. Sex is an entry point. It's a great way to find out you have something in common with someone and kind of build upon it. Walking into their home, seeing what kind of things they have. I'm here for it. So think about getting a pet, but just make sure that your life can actually support it. It breaks my heart when people have a pet, but the pet's left home alone all day long, possibly in a crate. That is no life for a pet. That's imprisonment. You know, so try to do your best. Get a pet if you're going to have someone home. Get a pet if you're home. Get a pet if you can bring the pet to work. But don't get a pet to leave that poor thing home alone all day long so that you just have something to come home to. I don't think that that's very kind. I know people have different circumstances and they change, but just in general, that is not kind. Uh, have a dance party. I do that every single night. I've shared with this, shared y'all, I've heard about my use of music endlessly. Every single night I do music therapy, which for me is putting on my headphones, blocking out sounds. Sometimes there's maybe some cannabis use woven in there and I just dance around and let my body move me, listen to my music. It's so soothing, it keeps me in my body, some movement, some exercise. It's, it's a transformative, transcendent state and place that I'm taken to. I love it. I honor it. I value it. It helps me dissociate and check out from all the thoughts and stresses of the day. It's so soothing. It's very grounding. It makes me happy every single night. I turn the lights down, put in the headphones, go to town. It's a beautiful thing. Maybe light some candles, scented candles, add all the senses in there, things to smell. I always talk about my love of essential oils. Grapefruit is my favorite one for putting a smile on my face. Lavender for soothing and settling down. Put them in your hands, rub the hands together, smell them, put it in the bath water, put it in a diffuser. I love that stuff. You know, turning down the lights, those smells, the sounds. Game night. I never thought of game night as a way to really move your body, but hey, it works. Um, that's an interesting one, game night. How's that work? I don't know. But then they also finally will end on this one. Exercise or stretching, even while watching television. I love that. We need to stretch more too. Do a stretch routine while you're watching television. Maybe walk around a little bit while you're watching television. You know, building and stretching between activities. I do that between clients. I'll stand up and kind of stretch, move my body a little bit. Get me back in my body. Uh, all right, we'll take a little break. We'll be back. Got a DM for us. Dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, there they are. But we'll be back. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. Alrighty, we are back and I'm uh, going to take a quick detour, something that I actually think is very important. Uh, phone scams. I really did want to talk about this. I had a family member that got scammed during COVID from a phone scam. And, you know, people are sensitive. People are vulnerable. We don't always, you know, know what is what or what to be careful of. So let me just spend the next couple of minutes saying phone scams are real and they're happening in exponential numbers right now. I have a couple block that still keep coming in. One of them is claiming to be from Amazon and others claiming to be about car. Um, not car insurance, car warranty. It's wild. And then you call them back and some random person answers pretending it's their private line as though you've got the wrong number. It's a scam call. Uh, check out some of these numbers. In the past 12 months alone, over 23% of Americans have been duped over the phone with an estimated loss of $30 billion. So they've gotten really good. I've gotten some fake emails where the email, I've gotten some DMs that were claiming to be from Instagram. 
And anytime anyone or anything reaches out asking you for passwords or personal information, it's a scam. No company is gonna reach out asking for that login, credentials, passwords, or information, period. It doesn't work like that. And that's how I knew it was a red flag from Instagram. They wanted me to log in from the thing they sent me, reported it, got taken down. But they also do that in a lot of ways. So be thoughtful about that. Um, they're coming up with some smart ways to do it. So here's the most common ways that they pulled over on you. They impersonate federal or law enforcement agencies telling you that you're gonna be arrested, fined, or deported if you don't make a payment on the spot. That's not how it works. You could say to them, please give me the link to an online payment system. They're not gonna do that, but you should demand that. No one's gonna ask for you to just pull out your credit card. It doesn't work like that. No one's job from the FBI or law enforcement is to call you and demand money. Always ask for a number to call back Say, I want to call back and confirm. Ask for a website. Say, I'm happy to go to a website to find out about payment information and make sure it's a real website because scammers hate when you ask questions. I'm sorry, what's the company called? Where are you located? What do you do? What's your name? Who's your supervisor? Let me talk to your supervisor. Those are all things that a general company will be available and willing to provide. Scammers might also contact you stating that you've won a prize or lottery, but you have to pay for shipping or transfer fees. That is a scam. You do not pay money to win money or get money. That's always a scam. They might impersonate the IRS or social security calling you about you needing you know, some kind of sensitive information opportunities. They might impersonate charities. I always say I don't give money on the street or on the phone. So anyone on the street with a clipboard collecting money, I know people that do that as a scam. I always say to them, I'm willing to take information, but I don't give money on the street or on the phone and I'll circle back if I'm interested and I'll do it via your website. What's your website? And a good company will provide that happily. If they won't or they fight with you, they're fake. So-called tech agents calling saying you have hardware problems or that your stuff is infected. That's not true. So how do we protect ourselves? Treat every unsolicited phone call with skepticism, right? They make it look like it's coming from a, a reliable source. It's often not. If you're offered prize or free trial or asked to make a payment, hang up and block the number immediately. This is what the experts are saying. Bye, click, block. Never disclose personal details such as pins, passwords, bank or credit card information because as I said, and this is a quote, no legitimate business or government agency will ever ask you for this information. And that is true. They're never gonna call you up saying, give me your passwords. In fact, when I've been on the phone with my bank, they weren't able to give me any of that information. They didn't want that. And they weren't able even to help me fix my password stuff. That's how removed they are from it. They don't have access to that, nor do they need access to that. They're on the inside. Never let an unknown caller access your computer. They'll steal data or install something. And always ask the caller, Tons of questions about business, products, or services. Scammers do not like getting those questions or those inquiries, and they'll try to rush you into just getting the info. Go back and keep asking your questions. But I'm a big fan of saying, give me a number, I'll reach back out, or give me a website, more importantly. Make them prove they have an established website, right? Do your research for accepting any offers. We already talked about that. This is the kind of stuff you gotta think about. It breaks my heart, because it's the most, um, you know, at risk that usually fall for these things because they don't know any better, because they don't have tech skills, because they don't have that critical thinking, or they're desperate for money and they're desperate to believe that maybe they finally won something. So if you're in, you know, an oppressed, marginalized community, think about that. They usually try to go for the elderly that don't understand the norms of how these things work. Uh, talk to my mom a lot about these things. She doesn't understand what it would normally look like, those kinds of outreach calls. So we got to look out for each other, but block report, all kinds of things like that, you know? Um, I get them, like I said. 
it's so annoying. I have so many of them blocked and they still come in. And when you call back, it gets even clunkier because it's like someone's house, some random person, and they go into complete denial that they called and you, you must have the number wrong even though I literally just called back the number that came in, right? Uh, part of this is though, if everyone had their basic needs met, people wouldn't feel the need to scam others to get their needs. Also, people can be greedy and gluttonous because we live in a consumerist culture where people think their worth is tied to what they have, you know? Yeah, it's a circle. It's a system. Let's pull ourselves out of it. Uh, coming up next, though, is DMs. So uh, you got a question for us? Drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. Any topics you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into, questions, put them all in there. And past episodes, want to re-listen, binge, post, share. We are channelq.com. That's where you got to go. Scroll down, look for uh, the name of the show, click on it, and they're all there. We'll be back, though, doing some DMs, so stick around for that. Always a lot of gems being dropped. You listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we are back, and it is now time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. DMs are brought to you from our IG page, so questions, topics, drop them all in there. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, is it reasonable to ask your partner to be loyal to you? My ex sided and became closer to someone who hurt me. She Wait, this is going to get very confusing for me. My ex sided with and became closer to someone who hurt me. She hid and omitted her, her interaction with this person. She did not stand up for me, and I did not feel like she had my back. But she wanted to still be connected to me and be intimate. Wouldn't this be a reasonable thing to ask them to change? Or does this automatically mean they are not a good match for us? She said she, will not, she, said she was not willing to change for me. Is that my answer? It's hard to disconnect from her because we were entangled together and because I love her. Now she's off having a great time with the group without me and I feel very left behind. So I'm gonna be honest, I'm a little confused by this. Uh, So I'm gonna just kind of pull out what I can. Yes, loyalty is trust and trust is the foundation of all relationships of whatever kind. So if you don't feel like someone has your back, then you don't trust them and you have no relationship. And you shouldn't have a relationship with someone who doesn't have your back. 
part of, and again, I don't know if you mean by friendship or romance. I don't know, but to feel safe with anyone, we have to trust that they have my back and that they're there for us. That is the basis. So anyone that you're close to, whether it's your best friend, your brother, um, someone you're married to or dating, the question is, are they there for me? Do they have my back? And if they don't, then you don't trust them and you can't, and you should not be in relationship with them. Any human being that's in my life, I have to believe has my back and is there for me. And if they're not, I don't expect them to. And I see them as very peripheral and I expect nothing of them. And I'm kind and happy when I see them and that's that. But if you're gonna be a good friend, a best friend, you're gonna be my primary partner, you're gonna be my brother, you absolutely have to be there for me and have my back. That is how trust is built and shown. Trust is built by trusting that when you're not around, they talk positively about you and have your back. It is built on them thinking about us and we, which means they think about how they impact you based on the choices they make. That's especially important for a primary partner. But loyalty is everything. What do you have without that? What does that even mean? This person's like, I don't have your back. I side with people that talk poorly about you. I acknowledge that I'm not gonna change that, but yo, I still wanna get down. Are you kidding me? Tap into your self-worth and self-esteem and cut this person out of your life because they're taking advantage of you. They wanna offer no care and concern, but yet wanna have sex with you. That's toxic because sex is never just sex. It is not neutral, it impacts us. And you're trying to work on settling into and being sexual with someone who does not have your best interest at heart and defends it by saying, don't ask me to change. You're not asking them to change. You're saying, you have respect for me if you're gonna be in my life and stay in my life. And yes, it's hard because you're in love with them, but be better than that. Just because we love with someone doesn't mean we keep them in our lives. Loving someone is not enough to have them in our life. If we don't trust someone, AKA they don't have our back and they acknowledge that and they say it isn't gonna change, there is no relationship. It's already been ended. It's gone. The structure of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you still see them. That doesn't mean you have a relationship. That just means your body is near them sometimes. The fact that you have sex with them does not mean you have a relationship with them. It just means your body is near them sometimes in sexual ways. But having a relationship with someone, in quotes, is an emotional, psychological experience built on trust, which again means I trust you're there for me and have my back. If I see someone talking poorly about another person when they're not around, I don't trust them even with me, even though I wasn't the topic of conversation because they just showed me that they don't have people's backs, that they can't be trusted, and that they're not really that healthy. So it's time to move on. There's other people that understand what true friendship or relationship is about. So cut this person free, move on, and you'll be better for it. I know that that's really hard, but loving someone isn't enough to deal with toxic behavior. We have to learn that and manage that around family members and other people, you know? But again, how they treat us when we're not around means probably more than sometimes than how they treat us when we are around because it hopefully is easier for them to treat us well when we're right there. My God, if they can't even do that, then we have a bigger problem. But yeah, all this matters. And this is a lesson for all of us. We gotta be better. But I, I guess your self-esteem needs some work because you're willing to maybe keep them around knowing that this is happening. So work on that. All Rachel, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Got a DM for us. Drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, whatever's going on. And uh, past episodes, as always, is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for it. Click on it. Binge, post, share. We'll be back tomorrow. So join us then. Spend the rest of your night focusing on a little bit of self-care, some joy and pleasure, lots of rest. Be kind to yourself and those around you. Thanks for hanging out. See you guys tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 